HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece has been brought to you by Bonnie Plants, bonnieplants.com. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses of Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. And in the studio today, we have uh, a couple of a couple of friends who've been on the show before and a newcomer. Um, we have the lovely ladies from Llama Inn in New York City. Please welcome to the show again, Lynette, Jessica, and Rebecca. Welcome. Hey, hey. having us here. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so you guys recently, uh, I guess about a half a year ago, opened up uh, the Llama Inn in New York City, and you have uh, a Peruvian drive behind this place. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about I actually haven't been there yet. I've been I've been working on it, so. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I've, I've read a lot of really great things about it, so uh, give me the rundown. It's it's an awesome place. The food is absolutely amazing. It's sort of a French, um, Peruvian sort of inspired food. The chef is uh, classically French trained. You know, used to be at EMP and uh, spent a lot of time. You know, really developing his Peruvian side of his he. He is Peruvian, so he's uh, born, first generation born here. Uh, being a first generation Puerto Rican, I get that whole idea of like uh, being a part of your, uh, bringing to your heritage and, and try and fit that into your normal life. Uh, he lives in Williamsburg, so the idea was to really take this food and cuisine that he was also familiar with. He worked at a place called Ramey here in New York and did the um, recipes for the desserts and also the savory food, and he wanted to kind of demystify what Peruvian food can be. A lot of the places Places that opened in the past in New York were very Lima in their like grandiose, you know, bring your chica chica sort of va va voom uh, heels kind of way, which is very much how the you know when you go to like Mexico City and you see those kind of uh, restaurants uh, or in Lima, that's very much the the way those restaurants are received. But for a New York audience, he wanted to uh, bring it to Williamsburg and have this more intimate vibe. 
So the owner, uh, Juan Correa, is also a Peruvian, and, and he met Eric. And the vision was to bring parts of Peru to New York, but in a very uh, urban, fantastic way. So when you go, I mean, here's kind of the description. You get off the Larmer L-stop. You uh, cross down the little quiet streets, and you go underneath you know, the BQE. And all of a sudden, there's these glimmering, beautiful lights and this building on a corner that seems out of place. It's this bright-colored blue uh, painted building of, of brick and inside you see glimmer of color and that's exactly what they wanted to be this colorful little highlight in the food and culinary world while being very traditional and um, it's beautifully designed all of the weavings that are inside the restaurant um, the artist went down to Peru and brought back um, different yarns that she commissioned from different tribes in Peru so at the heart of everything that happens there it's Peruvian but with this very you know there's there's near and I guess this is like you know Peru Peruvian Nuevo Peruvo, yeah. <laughs> however you call it, that is, but it has that soul of it, um, and that's what's really exciting about being in, in a space in an area that's really having a huge up and coming uh, change. Which Jessica used to live in the neighborhood, yeah. so she knows a bit about. It has changed a ton, but it's like the food scene in Williamsburg is amazing, and this it, there's nothing like this restaurant in all of New York. It's just really unique and he's very creative and has come up with some really amazing dishes that are comforting and and pushing the envelope of sourcing ingredients too so we have an ingredient coming in called kamu kamu which we're going to be the first restaurant in new york if not the u.s who's actually going to have fresh kamu kamu so he really pushes to try to find these ingredients and a lot of the the things that come in unfortunately are frozen because to get them from peru to new york so he really is pushing the envelope to find um the resources and that was great for us too it's like some crazy. Apparently, it's a crazy aphrodisiac in fertility. Uh, it, uh, I've Sweet, only had it, exactly. I've had it in ground form that he's given to me, but I uh, I haven't seen it yet. He's he, like slip it in your drink or something. Slip it in your drink. He wants us to use it in a cocktail. I'm like, let's taste Done. it. See what's up. Yeah, we have to taste it first. <laughs> the he's not been giving us drink. a lot of things actually to work with in our cocktails, and that's been a big thing for us is to try and really make sure that there's some sort of. Peruvian um, focus within each cocktail um, to sort of take the classic cocktails and then really like drive in the Peruvian ingredients, which yeah, so like has been fun to work with. Yeah, well, I mean, it's always fun to you know we get a new we've all been doing this like, for a while, you know, we work with like <laughs> everything. So like to having like new ingredients coming along, it's like you know it breathes new life into the sea. but like so you're you're the then the cocktail list and like the bar is definitely kind of like culinary driven you would say <laughs> absolutely uh, rebecca just came on board and she's learning all of the prep that has to happen and it's it's pretty intense it's like it is a kitchen and and the the uh, some of the ingredients uh, are very labor intensive like the chicha morada is a two-step process of taking peruvian purple corn and then every every house in peru has their ingre- their recipe for it so one chicha will taste it from another and this one is eric's uh mother's and grandmother's recipe and it has apples and pineapples and cinnamon and cloves and all of these beautiful things that you cook over time to make this water then we turn it into a syrup to use it in our drinks but it it takes a really long time to make this drink um and to have it so it you know we've been very lucky to get great press on that cocktail because uh probably because the clever name that the chef uh, the owner the llama del rey because he named it uh 
and it really sung to that that cocktail when he threw out that name. We're like, this is it, the one on draft that's kind of weird and a little nostalgic and kind of brooding, and but it goes down and easy and slightly sweet. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of like, we're like, yeah, that's totally a Lama Del Rey. Nice. Um, yeah, that was a no-brainer on that one. We're like, that is the name of that drink. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I, I love stuff like that. Like, you know... The, the kind of like indigenous uh, recipes for different drinks that are like not necessarily cocktails, but uh, you know, kind of like local stuff like that. It's, it's always like fascinating to me, you know. And like, and of course, we're just gonna fucking throw booze in it. Right? Like, <laughs> so it doesn't need to be alcoholic before. But um, that's uh, that's really cool. Um, so like, I, it's proving. So obviously, you're using like a lot of piscos and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> we have a ton of pisco, a ton of Peruvian pisco. Did you want to say? No, I mean, we have a we have an unbelievable Pisco list. I've never seen such a big list, and people order off of it and want to know about it, and it's really cool that people are so excited about about learning about Pisco and want to taste things and compare things, and it's it's cool. It's exciting. Are you guys are you guys seeing a lot of sales for uh, Pisco like just like on its own, like as a neat spirit, or like are you doing any kind of like fly training stuff like that? So yeah, we we are getting a lot of. I mean, a lot of it's hand sold through the restaurant, but people are interested in the list. Um, you know, it was really important to Eric and and Juan to have a Peruvian pisco list to really show the differences. Uh, you know, from the Ica Valley to all over, and then the different marks that are coming in on our side. That's it can. It's kind of we can kind of look at where you know tequila was a few years ago. Um, so of course, at sometimes we're getting supply issues because all of a sudden we have we're like a huge spike in these sales and distributors right. are like what's going on and we're like bring us more of your you know most of it than your Italia and all these really great varietals that at for one point if if a bar had one piece go they're like great cool I've got a piece go right. but to see the beauty and the nuance in the grapes which I think is really important when you're you know especially in a restaurant the wine knowledge and when you look at the list of even the wines that we have they're very progressive in in the style. Of of grapes that we're using, we're using a lot of Spanish wines and and sherry, and then anything that's really South American varietal. So there's a lot of things that are unfamiliar to our guests, so they are coming in with enthusiasm and excitement to understand what all those things are, and they're embracing it more than I I really thought that yeah. they would. I think, and it's very exciting for people who are from um, from the area, like from the Peruvian er- who are Peruvian from Peru. To be able to have some place yeah. that can totally. encompass everything. They're like, oh my God, this is exactly what I've always wanted. And families coming in and drinking Pisco together with their meal. It'd be like if somebody opened up a, like an Oklahoma bar for me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it, you know, it's really interesting to me nowadays where, like you were saying, Lynette, you know, having like one Pisco behind the bar, it's like, all right, done, you know, whatever, <laughs> move on. Um, it's really interesting to me. Like like uh, like, cachaça and pisco right now are like two categories that I think are they've always been around, but they're and they're like staples for a lot of classics, but they've just been kind of like misunderstood, you know, like <laughs> yeah. are not kind yeah. of totally absolutely misunderstood. And there's so many varietals out there, and it's really cool to see that people are actually getting into it and interested. 
And that interest makes the importers bring more in. So a lot of, there are so many more Piscos even available in Peru. Um, we One of our, our bartenders, he's he does a lot down there. He's from there. And he was saying that there's so many other ones that we don't even get here because just to get that brandy out of the country alone takes a huge amount of interest. And I think sure. that's where you're looking at cachaça. Like all we had was really industrial cachaça for a while. And we had kind of really just like industrial Pisco until about the cocktail scene started and you had people like Melanie and Lizzie Asher, um, you know, sisters who are entrepreneurs who decided to quit their corporate jobs, being a lawyer and working in finance to uh, go ahead and, and start this company of Machu Pisco. And then Barsol, again, is a very similar story with uh, Diego uh, Lore de Mola. Uh, he has uh, it's the same story. He was in importing and, and business and finance and then decided to kind of throw all that away and go back to the passion and the spirit of, of their countries and bring that here. And I think that's a very similar story of what we see now in tequila, where you have like David Suro and people sure. who are very tied to you know their families and bringing those products in. Uh, and that's great to see, uh, just kind kind of how much it's expanded and testament to the cocktail culture that it's stretched the boundaries and the mindsets of people in the U.S. to try more of these things. Right. I, it, like To me, it's really interesting. You, you know, you mentioned tequila. It's kind of like what was going on, you know, 20, 30 years ago with tequila where it's like, all right, we've got Jose Cuervo. We're done. You know, yeah. it's like, that's it. Um, and Mezcal. And oh, for sure. It's like, it's very, it, yeah. yeah and it used to be like, oh, you couldn't get a decent Mezcal, period. Right. So. But I think that's super interesting to me, too, because, like, these are, I feel the same way about, like, you know, go back to, like, Kishas, rum in general, and, like, Kishas totally. and, and Pisco, these are, like, these aren't, like, regarded, they're not, like, the same thing as, like, a, a 40-year-old scotch, you know, it's not, there's not, like, this, this heritage behind it where, you know, these dudes in kilts have been making this shit for hundreds of years. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is like real, like, working class, like, family tradition, you know, like, with a lot of these types Absolutely. of spirits from South America and New Mexico. It's like, it's it's really cool that, like, you know, especially, you know, you mentioned David and, you know, like, like even like Del, Del Mange, you know, like, yeah. they're really, like, opening up these spirits that have been made for a long time by these families, but they're, like, allowing them to actually have a, an audience and a market to where they can fucking pay their bills. Yeah, absolutely. You know? What like, Ron Cooper does, you know, he's, you know, for all intents and purposes, his hippie artist from New Mexico who went down, down yeah. there was like, hey man, this agave is really sweet. Why is it so awesome? But, and now we, really you know, sweet, he's yeah, yeah, really yeah. sweet, man. <laughs> but he's brought so many bartenders down there to the Palenques to meet these people, to meet these families who are still, you know, using the Tahona and uh, to grind it up. And, you know, even in Kanto, we, we had a training at the bar yesterday. Um, that company has really started bringing bartenders to go down to understand the process of harvest and to touch the product and to help blend to have a better understanding of how a unique blending you know a pisco can be it's a you know at the same time when you look at those kind of brandies how much more delicate they can be because there's no oak to cover it up so your right. distillation and in peru distilling to proof as opposed to adding water and balancing that's a really yeah. difficult art and you have to get that cut and there's that artistry and that culture that is uh 
um, you know, passed down from from people to people and family to family. And I think that's what's really beautiful. And in general, they tend to all be Latin spirits. I'm a little bit partial to like, and like, it's about your family thing. It's what you pass down and it's expresses of the culture that you're from. And that's really important. And I think that's what we want to respect. And I think what really, when, when Jess and I met, Juan and Eric, it was the idea that they were so passionate about bringing the culture of what real Peru is like to New York through its food, through its drink, through design, uh, to show how it progressive it can be, even though it's still tied to things like weaving and that culture that's very antiquated. So I think that's a really romantic vision of what they did, and, and I'm super happy for them that that it's being recognized and received very well, because uh, I think that's, you know, anytime any of us would put our heart in our sleeve, and we do this as bartenders all the time we're like there's this drink i thought was amazing and then if someone's like eh, it was not that great you're like so like oh but i poured my whole soul into it um so i think that's something that we do as artists in this industry and it's great when you can see people really putting that passion out there and it gets rewarded with you know people in the neighborhood coming in and you know being very fortunate to have good accolades and people understanding what the what the idea was yeah totally you know what? I, actually, let's take a quick break, and when we get back, let's talk about your process. We, you know, we we're just talking about making cocktails and <laughs> and the uh, the challenges with uh, some of these ingredients and the the process that you have used to get to where you are. All right, we'll be back cool. in just a moment with the ladies from Lama Inn. Enough time for waiting I love that last It's love so contagious I want it bad So bad My heart's aching My mind stay clear My heart's racing Just wait Wait Baby let's be it My soul Deep inside yours Gravitate to the love That we see it The breathing The living The end to winning Your love is forever Your body I'm missing It's not just your garden, it's the way you live. And there's so much to know, but you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. <laughs> All right, we are. <laughs> that last commercial just made me realize I need oh, to start man. my seeds. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Tomato plants. <laughs> <laughs> totally. All right, we're back here. Listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network, and we have the ladies from Lama Inn in New York City. Uh, we're talking about Peruvian cocktails. We're talking about Pisco. And then we started talking about the cocktails. You know, actually, I had never been to Peru, but I was supposed to go in December, like mid-December. And then I like had a ticket booked and I was, was going down there and then I realized, oh shit, it's mid December <laughs> and I own a bar. <laughs> I, I'm not leaving town. No. This is a bad time to do this. Um but I was really looking forward to it and I I'll get down there one day. But um so before the break we were talking about uh kind of leading into we talked about Pisco and we started talking about the cocktails. And like to me, like Pisco to me is a really interesting cocktail ingredient because of 
the fact that it is, I mean, it, it, like, I love Kanye. I mean, I hope. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love Army Hack more. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love, I love like, all types of eau de vie and grappa and stuff like that. But, like, as far as, like, a grape distillate goes, it's really unique compared to all the rest of them. It's, like, super floral a lot of times. Absolutely. And, like, yeah. it has that, like, kind of, like, Mark eau de vie kind of thing on the nose. But it's, like, it's just, like you said, like, even before the break, you know, distilling the proof is a, a huge factor in that. Huge. So, like, the uh, the aromatics, you know, when you have, like, like obviously the most iconic Pisco drink would be a Pisco sour, <laughs> of course. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of like I I, I mentioned cachaça a couple times before the break, but it's like you know cachaça is really great in things that other than the caipirinha. You know, it's like Absolutely. there's a whole world out there. So especially like what we we're talking uh, again, going back to before the break, talking about how many piscos are available in the U.S. now and how many more keep coming in. Exactly, and month. we were just talking about it. You know, Rebecca is really looking at bringing more fusing the bar in the restaurant and and coming up with more ways to showcase how beautiful piscos can be and and work on how they work with the menu as just a sipping which i I mean i think you wouldn't really like now we're at a place like we said people are drinking like monero and you know chichicapa the words that people had no idea so how can we start now in phase two of llama uh bringing the different varietals of pisco to the consumers who come in and give them the secondary education of now we're broadening your horizon and how do you have a pisco with your which one makes sense what 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 kind is going to make sense yeah. in the pairing? Like, so if I if I were if I rolled into the bar and I were like, say I, I'm a um, like I said before, you know, like I'm an Armagnac drinker. <laughs> like, what which uh, which piece go would you? Or which direction would you lead me into? Like, as far as like having one on its own. Oh, that's a good one. That- you know what I mean. I think maybe the most of it, yeah, to start just to start sure. that being like a nice sort of like transition to things that are almost a little bit brighter to have something that's just really round and and, and gives you some of those notes of like, um, sort of like silk. <laughs> I like silk. Uh, it doesn't good. like silk. Yeah, and then when you get into things like when we were tasting like the Italia, that yeah. that kind of gets more um, botanical for it. So in our mind, like what I was tasting, we're like that's kind of more ginny. And then we just tried mm-hmm. uh, yesterday the Bar Keeps Whimsy, which is this blend um, that bartenders went down with Encanto to create, and it comes out in a couple weeks. And it's more like raw pineapple and very green, pineapple and lavender and honeysuckle. It's really special. Do you do you find yourself doing a lot of uh, shaken drinks versus stirred, or do you? No, keep not it necessarily. Well I mean, they're you know, shaken drinks are always more popular. Yeah, but I think that uh, when we conceived the menu, like we definitely wanted to go in more of a direction where it's like, why not use these as stirred ingredients and um, really highlight them? Yeah, I think it's to me like I, I always lean towards like a stirred drink anyway. Um, that's stirred spirited drink, which is why. I, you know, with my shirt off in a lot of bars, but um, and that's cool too, man. You know, um, but uh, yeah, I found just as recently as like the last few months, I've been I've been messing around with pisco and stir drinks more than like you know, because like I said before, you know, like it's it's always been the pisco sour. Absolutely, that's like where you start. You know, it's just like with like 
well, with white rum, it's like it's a daiquiri, <laughs> you know. Like anytime, like someone brings like a new rum into the place, you're yeah, like, you all right, let me let me you, try you, it with yeah. the daiquiri. Yeah, you let do the daiquiri test. <laughs> but I've been trying to I've been trying to look at Pisco over the past uh, I don't know, three to six months maybe um, with like a new palette and uh, yeah, I've. I've Kind of wean myself. Don't get me wrong. I love Pisco sours. It's a it's a lovely yeah. drink. And if you're in Peru, you drink them three one one. So it's a really strong whoa. shaken yeah. drink. And we're like, nice. whoa, slow roll. That's a really Jeez. intense drink. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So the the part of the menu. So a lot of the ways. You know, we didn't know how how well received the the Pisco products would be received. So we thought very much like, well, if we kind of like you know hide the Pisco in something very familiar, that'll make sense. So one of the drinks that. Uh, uh, we put on the menu is El Chapo, which is pretty much, you know, Jess was like, well, why don't we just take like the construction of something we all know, like a Vesper and play around and, yeah. you know, mix Pisco and tequila and, and make this, this nice sort of soft spiritus drink. So you, cause you have like the Coqui Americano to help balance it yeah. out, but all the flavors come through. So like playing around with what's the backbone and what, what leads. And, and I think that switches over the course of that drink. Um, you know, when you first start, maybe the tequila is more present and then as it warms up a little bit, then the floral notes really blend through. Um, so it's a really fascinating trick to see. And then we did a variation on an old fashioned using, um, right. a, a product that's more of, it's a fortified sort of wine made from Pisco grapes. Hmm. So, and it's called Perfecto Amor and it, Barcel was just playing around with different ways. So it's kind of like vermouthish, but with that backbone of, you know, the, the brandy in there. And so we use that in an old fashioned style by split basing that with scotch and then using the, um, chancaca, which is their like pioncillo or brown sugar in Peru. So taking familiar and, and mixing, then changing ingredients. So people kind of just like went with it cause it didn't seem so intimidating. Right. I mean, well, that's it's like a gateway drug, you know. It's like exactly. You some, I like I, I do a, uh, a white Negroni with pisco and like exactly. Sue's and drink and it's beautiful, it's really great. It's great. <laughs> it works out so well because you've got the gingian with like the kind of like floral grape notes. Like it's it, it and like the the body of the pisco actually kind of like balances out the really dry, stark bitterness of the Sue's. So it works out really well. But like that's how I mean that's. Well, that's why we have our jobs because, <laughs> right. because we, we do that. That's what. what and sometimes what it was just tasting the pisco, and then you're like, "Oh, I know what this would work with," and and building from that. But we definitely everything was sort of thought of like, let's keep this very simple. Let's keep the like the insane amount of in, ingredients still. sort of low, and yeah. and and and, and uh, if you if you know cocktails, you're gonna immediately be like, "Oh, that's the base of." This style drink, right. and that's the base of this drink, and it's it's almost keeping it simple, stupid, um, but having like a lot of things that you might not normally work with, as far as the you know the munya and the chunkaka and um, purple potatoes. Uh, munya is like an insane <laughs> spearmint that grows in the uh, the higher altitude in Peru, and you're going to get it dried. It's so when you make it, it's super uh, fragrant and minty, and has this like really great vegetal thing that comes through so there were it was playing around a lot with those things that seemed familiar but then even taking some things if we didn't have a pisco in the drink we wanted to really make sure there's a peruvian element so uh you know i'm a big fan of tiki i've been a, a rum girl for a long time so it's like chef can you make us a, a quinoa orgeat and he's like 
yeah, I think I can totally do that. Then he came, we came back the next day and he had like three versions of it for us to try, you know, with every different like way. Was it more almond versus more quinoa, 50-50? And then we went with the quinoa forward and it adds this like creamy peanut butteriness. And then, you know, when you have Our quinoa, orange, yeah. it's, the best. it's so amazing. It's really good. That's awesome. Uh, that sounds really, really cool. Um, <laughs> Um, Come in and just taste the orgia. Really yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm psyched. Got some in my bag. Got some in your bag, right? We actually do. Grand Army tonight. Oh yeah. So is that one of the drinks you're gonna be making tonight at Grand Army? Uh, yeah. Sweet. The cumbia, which is the traditional dance of Peru. So really tapping into the culture, we kind of have really fun, fun, fun ways of thinking about how. Um, you know, we did a, a really fun tongue-in-cheek New Year's Eve party that was kind of just really for friends and family sort of kind of fun thing. And apparently in Peru on New Year's Eve, you throw around yellow underwear, like boxer brief underwears, and like people wear them. Wait, are they, 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 are they supposed to be yellow? Or they, they yes, were... they have to be yellow. Okay. yellow. It's supposed to bring prosperity. not just prosperity. Like dirty. No, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> so we, end up, we, we all show up and there's like a box of, you know, underwear. We're like, what on earth is this? Like, it's tradition. We're like... All right. All right. I, gotta, I have to go to Peru on New Year's Eve, apparently. <laughs> understand. Well, speaking of taking off your clothes, I guess we're going to go back <laughs> to my bar, and uh, I'll probably end up with my shirt off again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Check out Llama Inn. Uh, the website's LlamaInnNYC.com. Uh, you should definitely stop by there when you're in town. If you live here, you should definitely become a regular there. Um, and tonight from 5 to 7... The gang is going to be at my bar at Grand Army from uh, for our happy hour, and we're going to be having some of the lovely drinks from the Lemon. Thanks so much for being on the show today. It's lovely to see you guys, and it's nice to meet you today, Rebecca. You as well. um, Thank you, yeah, can't wait to come by. Until then, let's boogie. All right, that's <laughs> it for the Speakeasy this week. Turn tune in to Heritage Radio Network for many other shows like this. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.